0: Pet Chat and Daniel Carrington joining us this afternoon. Hello. Good afternoon, Mark. Lovely to be here.
1: And look, you've got a very special guest that we're talking to very shortly. We do. Look, I'm going to talk to a breeder of British Bulldogs. Okay. And so that's our Breed of the Week this week. Let's find out what it's like to own a British Bulldog. So, anyone interested in that?
0: Yeah, they may need to stay listening in the next (laughs) few moments. We'll cover that. Also, our Pet of the Week. And if we get time, we might even talk diet
1: today. Yes, I love talking about nutrition for our dogs and cats, and uh, very happy to talk to people who want to some calls if their dogs have got itchy skin, scratchy redness on the skin, or maybe some diarrhea, that kind of stuff. Very happy to talk to people in regards to good nutrition for our pets, because it's not all as it seems. Tracy, welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you very much. Now, Tracy Clack has been a breeder of British Bulldogs for 32 years. So this is someone who knows about the breed and how wonderful and special for us to have her on the show to talk about them. Thank you very much. No worries. Now, I I know it's like everyone should know what the dog or that breed should look like, but I do like to start off with the show. If you could just give us some pointers, because it is radio, what does a British Bulldog look like?
2: Uh, Well, most people know a British Bulldog by its pushed-in face, um, and its very wrinkly head. Um, They're a medium-sized breed, about 24 to 26 kilos, Mm -hmm. Um, big, powerful shoulders, and a big head. Some people may say they're they're ugly, but definitely not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're sort of like the macho breed, aren't they?
2: (laughs) That's correct, yes, a big, muscly man, yes.
1: If you had the doggy nightclub, they're the ones at the front door, aren't they?
2: (laughs) They sure are. <laughs>
1: they look the part, but they're really not vicious.
2: <laughs> no, they're not. They were they were bred um, for bull baiting mm-hmm. um, and were um, quite vicious, but um, after that was outlawed um, in 1835, um, breeders took them on and made them what they are now, like changed their temperament and made them into a great family pet.
1: I was going to ask you what they were bred for. So it was bull baiting. So how bull did that baiting work? Right.
2: Well, they tied bulls up, or put them into a pit, mm-hmm. and made the dogs attack the bulls, and um, get them to the ground until they were pretty much helpless. Oh, wow. So it was a bit of a sport, and people used to bet on it. Okay. Um, but that was banned in
1: 1835, and this because hap- of cruelty reasons. Of course, and this happened in Britain. In Britain, that's correct, yes. Okay. And I guess that's the reason why they, they have that uh, large stance, I guess, and the, and the big shoulders.
2: The powerful stance, yes, to, they used to sort of, cr- um, like, crouch down and, um, get the bull, go up towards the bull, and that's also for the wrinkles on their face. So when they were biting the bulls, the blood would be able to get away through in, run down the wrinkles away from their eyes. And, um, their powerful jaws, their undershot jaws were so they could grab on and not let go.
1: Wow, it's amazing when you think, and this is I always find this interesting when we talk about breeds, breeds of dogs, because dogs have helped humans so much for hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years. And when yes. we look at the particular breeds and how humans use them, it is quite interesting to find that. But as you said, these days, they're not like that. They're not vicious. They're, what are they like to live with? What kind of temperament and character does a British Bulldog have? Um,
2: they're very, very affectionate and loving. Love love their families, love to be with people. Um, it's not a breed that you can just put out in the backyard and just leave. Um, they want to be on the lounge. They want cuddles. Um, they're gentle, easygoing. They don't require a lot of exercise. They do love to go for a walk. I, I know a lot of people that take them down to the, the cafes and the coffee shops mm-hmm. for a Sunday morning coffee. And they just attract people. People just want to touch them. People just want to pat them because they're just so friendly.
1: They also look very cute as puppies, I have to say. Yes.
2: They don't stay that size for very long and they don't stay that cute. But All breeds
1: breeds
0: look pretty good as puppies.
1: They all (laughs) do. They do.
2: do. They do, definitely. I
1: I guess when you're looking at that so and the temperament the dog is, what kind of a family would suit or a person would suit buying a breed of dog such as the British Bulldog?
2: They're a companion. If you want to sit on the lounge, as I said, um, with, sit and have a cuddle on the lounge. They're great for that. Mm-hmm. If you want a dog that's going to run around and go for a jog or whatever, it's not a bulldog. Yep. They do like to exercise, definitely for families um, and love kids. No matter, even though they look big and scary, they are very, very gentle, very gentle dogs.
1: I've heard like a, they can even put up with a lot of kids prodding them and doing all sorts of things to
2: them. Yes, you will. You will see them sometimes. A little kid will come over and they'll just lay there. Yep. They'll take in the pats. They'll take in the cuddles. Yep. They love kissing. You know, they've got such a kissable face. Yep. Kids want to just kiss them. Yep.
1: And um, as a breed, do they eat a lot? Or is there anything that people need to be aware of when buying that breed of dog?
2: Sometimes they can get a little bit overweight. Um, and then you will just... No, no table scrap kind of things. Yep. You keep them on a proper diet and yep. you shouldn't have any troubles. Okay. Um, but, you know, I've got a few summer perfect weight then I've got a couple that are pretty much on a diet because they are fat they look at food and they'll put it on
1: (laughs) now um, pretty much like people yeah that's right (laughs) now if someone is interested in this breed and they want to have a look at it and talk to breeders you guys have got a specialty show um coming up here in Newcastle can you tell us the dates when and where and what to expect
2: um, we have a uh, breed, the North, Northern British Bulldog Club. We mm-hmm. have a, a show coming up on Sunday, the sixth of August, at Hillsborough. If people know where the dog show ground there is at Hillsborough, on Hillsborough yes. Road in Warners Bay. Um, there's an all breed show on in the morning, and then after lunch in the afternoon we will have a bulldog specialty. So we're hoping mm-hmm. to get um, forty, at least forty dogs. Wow. I can't say there will be, but hopefully we we will, and there'll be plenty of breeders and to talk to, and um, plenty of. Different shape, size bulldogs, coloured bulldogs of all different, you know, to look at, have a cuddle, have selfie taken with one. That's very popular. Sometimes it shows.
1: Good idea. I love it.
2: Having (laughs) selfies taken with them.
1: Yep. I guess. Yeah. No, that's really good. And what about some websites?
2: Yeah. um, Well, we we, the Northern British Bulldog Club, um, which which I'm the treasurer of, Mm -hmm. we're currently working on a web page, but we have a Facebook page. Okay. So that's the Northern British Bulldog Club. Yep. Um, you get on the Facebook page and contact the, the club through that. Yep. Um, Sydney Sydney Bulldog Club, have, they have a club, which is the New South Wales Bulldog Club. They yep. have a web page. Or you can also get uh, information through Dogs New South Wales. Yes. They have a web page and information. You can get stuff from there too.
1: Tracy, thank you very much for talking about this wonderful breed of dog, a lovely companion wow. to families. And no yeah, worries. You, you have a great day. Thank you very much.
0: What a great uh, breed of dog they sound, Daniel. Like don't know
1: they? the bulldogs. <laughs> they are so you know. There's the there's the dogs I breed, Weimaraners. So they're very energetic. They want to run around. Very different for a bulldog. Opposite to that. So if you want to be lazing around on the couch, like Tracy said, this is the dog for you. Doesn't and, require too much exercise. And
0: very friendly. Not not to, not a big fan on the fact that they love the kisses. That's just.
1: <laughs> Come on, Mark. No. No. <laughs> Slobbery kisses, mate.
0: <laughs> from a dog? No, thank you. (laughs) And we might leave that right there. To any RFM's Pat Chat, we're just vibing away with Daniel Carrington this afternoon. And Daniel, we want to talk about skin in terms of dogs, don't we, at the moment?
1: Look, often in our store, we're getting people in whose dogs or cats have got skin allergies. They could be scratching and itching themselves all day long, uh, redness on the skin, all sorts of issues. And for a pet owner, when they look at their dogs just itching and scratching mm. each other licking like or oh, licking themselves scratching themselves it's like oh how can i stop this so uh, there's there's things that out there that can help like cortisone treatments that you'd get through a vet and so forth i had a lady come in with this exact problem in the store the other day and so she, she i said to her do you happen to know if there's a a grass allergy or is it a a, a food allergy that your dog has got and she wasn't Uh, She didn't know, but she knew that she needed to give a cortisone tablet every two days to the dog because after two days, if she didn't give the cortisone tablet for the itchiness and the scratchiness that goes on and the red skin, the dog would just go mental in terms of being so itchy. Okay, So would that be a case
0: of just going back and trying to think of what foods, have we introduced a new food or have we taken the dog to a new park where there might be some new different grasses, that sort of
1: thing? It can be, that's right. And there are tests that can be done to find out if there is some food allergies and what foods. So what I did for this lady and this customer was I put her on a raw food that we have in the store that's uh, 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 salmon. It's a salmon Protein plus a little bit of vegetable matter that's fermented um, that is actually uh, just human-grade vegetables, human-grade salmon, all minced up, added together. And I said, don't feed anything else. Just feed this and let's see what happens. After three days, she gave me a call back, hadn't given any cortisone treatment to the dog. The dog was no longer itching. Okay. So that tells me straight away, by process of elimination, it looked like it was a food allergy Mm. that the dog had, not necessarily a grass allergy. And we've been able to find out um, that out of those food allergies that the dog could have, we don't know exactly. But in Australia, there are five main foods the dogs are allergic to. Chicken, beef, believe it or not, um, wheat, soy and corn. Okay. Yeah, that's a bit rough. <laughs> now, in the raw food that we have, okay, we don't, uh, there's no fillers. There's no wheat, there's no cereals, there's no soy, and there's no corn. But I purposely stayed away from the beef or the chicken formulation and went with the salmon because it's very rare that a dog is going to be allergic to a protein such as fish or salmon. And by just changing that simple diet, the problem's gone okay no longer needing medication and no longer having the uh, stuff that certain you know, the side effects of certain medication to do like with sort of a cortisone that has it now it's not going to work for everyone if there's a, a grass allergy that might not work but in terms of a food allergy that itchiness stopped
0: daniel this might go without saying but yes if it's a food allergy you can work out what the problem is and you can just give that food the flick and move on but if it's a grass allergy and if it's something that is environmental in your backyard, how on earth do you get
1: around that? It's very hard. So some of the things that we recommend along those lines is that when you take the dog for a walk and you come back home, give its feet, its belly, uh, a, a wash down a rub with a, a, a rub with a towel that's a bit wet, give it a wash down to try and take out any seeds or any grass grass that might be stuck in the coat that's been touching. So that's really important. There's some topical treatments that you can use as well in terms of shampoos and conditioners that help with this as well. But again, it doesn't fix the underlying problem. From my research, that what I've done about nutrition and allergies, with dogs who've got grass allergies, what can be done is to help the reason why they've got that allergy is a weaker immune system um, and so if you can help to improve that immune system you might go part way to try and help that grass allergy but it's never it's never easy and that's why with grass allergies there is the cortisone treatments and other things that vets can recommend
0: try all of those things before you rip up the entire back law <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right, maybe put down some concrete that with no grass allergies there yes, exactly it's unfortunate, but yes, there are some dogs who are mm. allergic to some things like this, and in in the store, we do get lots of people with uh, different out al- Their dogs have got different allergies um so One woman was saying to me the other day you know the dog's got uh, because in some of the raw foods there's a little bit of garlic the dog's got an allergy to garlic, so you know it can't have that kind of ingredient in there. Um, some dogs can get if they're a little bit allergic to certain foods, they can get more yeast produced in their ears and have itchier ears. So yeah, there's all sorts of issues like that.
0: Wow, and, and because it's not a person, you can't just ask it what, what the right. problem is. That's right. As we continue with Pet Chat, Daniel Carrington still talking about the uh, the, the things that are happening with the the pets, the itchiness, and, and of course how food has changed for animals over the last 100 years compared
1: mm. with uh, a traditional animal diet before that. You're exactly right, Mark. So what we've got happening is for thousands of years, dogs have evolved eating, uh, raw food in terms of prey that they would catch. So we go back to uh, the dog when it's out in the wild and uh, they are looking at eating things like rabbit, possibly duck, bird, wild turkey, a, a chicken or something like that, that they would grab and eat. Now, what they would eat out of that would be the offal, which is your liver's hearts, kidneys, very nutritious for a dog. They would eat the stomach contents. The stomach contents with that kind of prey is usually plant matter and it's plant matter that that um, rabbit or or duck has been eating and it's fermented because of the stomach acids so it's partly processed there's all those good enzymes good gut bacteria in there that the dog is digesting and then they'll tear away the flesh they'll eat the flesh the meat that's the protein they'll even chew on the bones and being that it's small prey uh, those bones uh, are totally digestible. They'll crush them in their jaws and they'll digest the bones getting calcium and marrow. Uh, there's a lot of goodness in that as well, okay, and the cartilage. Okay, move to the past 100 years and uh, the dog foods that we have manufactured that are in uh, supermarkets and stores for us to buy. They're very convenient for us, okay? Dry kibble, very convenient, easy. Just feed them the portion it says on the label and we're done. What's happening though these days is the humanization of, of, of foods for our pets unfortunately is also bringing human types of ailments to our pets. They're getting cancer at a younger age, arthritis at a younger age, putting on weight. Okay, And if we have a look at the ingredients on the back of these foods, uh, a lot of them have not, don't even have meat as the first ingredient. So we've got cereal products. Maybe the meat might be the first ingredient, but then the next three ingredients are, are, are cereal products again. So the, the majority of the food we might be feeding our dogs could be cereal content such as wheat, soy, corn. Corn is is used, the word used on packets is usually usually maize rather than corn. Mm. Okay. Um, So what does that mean for our dog? Our dog who's evolved thousands of years of eating a raw diet, that is completely balanced in a way because they're getting some offal, they're getting some plant matter which is your carbohydrate and fibre which is fermented with the stomach acids and the bone.
0: It's such an interesting way to think about because until you were rattling off what, what they're actually eating, I was thinking, well yeah, okay, they're getting their meat but they're getting all that plant matter, they're getting the vegetable in a way but, but they getting it fermented in the yep. stomach, uh, the bones and everything else and, and now they're getting like you said, a human, almost a human western diet in oh. effect and they're
1: getting all the other things that roll along with it. That's right, and so when we feed a dog with uh, a lot of those uh, kibble diets that have got a lot of cereal, and I'm not saying all kibbles do. There's a lot now coming out as grain-free, um, but when there's that amount of cereal content, it actually is causing some issues. It, it can cause issues such as, as we've discussed, allergies. It can also co- cause overweight dogs, and that's the reason behind that is, is because. Um, well, you know, sometimes our owners, we do feed feed dogs too much. But when you are feeding a high cereal content diet, your blood sugar level spikes, okay? Um, therefore, more insulin is produced, and that can add on weight and add on fat and also keeps the dog hungry because when it comes down, it's like, I'm hungry again, I want to eat, Whereas when you have a, uh, the, the diet dogs have been used to eating is more of a protein diet, it keeps the blood sugar levels stable. So they'll have their one meal a day and they're not so hungry. What I've also noticed people saying is the behaviour of the dogs have changed so much. The, that, that high pent-up energy is no longer there and they're actually receptive to training and behavioural training. So it's amazing stuff when you go down that track. And uh, a lot of uh, the, the information that I get this from is from books and also online, but there's an Australian vet, Dr. Ian Billinghurst, who recently released a book, Pointing the Bone at Cancer for Dogs, Cats, Humans, and he talks about this in 500-page detail. It's amazing, the information that's in there, and uh, what we've done actually is quite wrong for our dogs now, and there's there's a theme going back to, we need to go back to a raw diet, for our dogs mm, and there's, cats. There's so much in it, isn't there? There is. And the cat diet is even a bit more different. They're an obligate carnivore, so they actually don't have much plant matter at all uh, in the wild. So they're a little bit different in terms of they can't be fed the same diet. It's got to be a lot more high protein, and it has to have taurine in it.
0: We're, uh, we're taking our animals a long way away from what they've been designed to eat, but uh, <laughs> that's, I guess, what it is. On air, online, on your smartphone, to your RFM 103.7, as we continue with Pet Chat, Daniel, I know you're very excited. You're very excited. You were saying, I need some phone calls, weren't you? I,
1: I was, and they've come.
0: They have come. They've turned up magically, and thank you for turning <laughs> up at the right time. Heading to Cameron Park, Anne, you've got a question for Daniel about a diet for the cats.
1: Hi, Anne.
3: Hi, how
0: are you?
1: Yeah, thank you. What would you like to ask?
2: I've got a sphinx. Yes. And I'm, I'm feeding it um, raw mince.
1: Yes. Um,
2: but... I also give it dry food. Now, it's also got an allergy. So mm. could it be there?
3: Yeah. So could it be do you, the,
1: do you dry have the dry food? food? Do you have the dry food there? The bag that no, comes in?
3: No, no. I'm, I'm in the car actually okay. at the moment. All right. Um, I, buy, okay. I buy it from the vet.
1: Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, so it, what you need to do is have a look at the, um, the ingredient list on your dry, uh, dry cat food that you've got. Have a look at the list of ingredients I was talking about. There is a lot of them are loaded with cereal matter, and there could be a chance that your cat, is allergic to the cereal matter in that food, yes. Now, when you feed when you feed mince, we talk about a raw food, a raw diet for, for dogs, and a lot of people think, or, and cats, and a lot of people think, oh, yeah, just give them some mince. It's a little bit more complicated than that because we go back to what they would have eaten in the wild. They don't eat just the protein. They eat the, the bone. They eat um, the, the liver, the hearts, and the kidneys, which are very nutritious, lots of vitamins in in those organs, the organ meat. And with cats, and I know this sounds a little bit gruesome, but cats, unlike dogs, they are obligate carnivores. So they won't necessarily eat the contents of the stomach, so they don't need much plant matter. But what they do eat is uh, the brain and they eat the eyes. And the reason for that is this, in those... In those muscles, because they are working all the time, there is taurine, and cats need taurine for a healthy lifestyle too. so um, it, it is a little bit more involved in regards to a raw diet when we have for cats or for dogs, making sure they 're getting enough of their nutrition, all the different vitamins that they need from that raw those raw ingredients. Um, you might find if you were to go back to just a raw diet and not feed. Any of the dry, the problem might go away. Yes, that could be the case. What I want to do actually for you is, if you can hold on to the line, I want to um, give you a couple of samples of the Summerford Raw Diet for Cats that I've got to give away. And you can try that over a week and just see what happens. Okay, that'd be great. How's that sound? All yes, right.
3: that sounds wonderful. So
1: if you want to hold on, we can get the uh, your details and and uh, organise yeah for that to go go through to you. We will do that. So hold on, Anne. You got some free sample packs coming your way. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good for the cat
0: anyway. For the cat. <laughs> if we get to the, if we get to the root of the problem, though, it's it's good for everybody. It is exactly a big win for society. There, heading to Wallsend and Peter still on diets. Good morning, afternoon, Peter. You got a question about dog diets with Daniel today?
1: Yeah, hi, Peter. Yes.
0: Hi, how
4: you going, mate? I said you talking about um, diets of dogs and that, and I've just recently um, fostered a, a bull terrier. Yes, and I'm looking to adopt him. He's about three year old. Anyway, um, I haven't had a dog for a while, and I've just been feeding him basically kind of what I eat plus his dry food. But what I've found is that he really loves his tuna. Yes, and I was just wondering, is, is tuna okay to feed a dog? Is that okay as far as their diet and that goes? Or
1: okay, so. Um Again, tuna is great. There's some good oils in tuna. There's, a, uh, there's yep. an element of fat as well. But it's certainly yep. not a complete diet. And there is nothing wrong with adding a bit of tuna a couple of times a week to a dry kibble. Nothing wrong with oh, that. yes. There's nothing yep. wrong if you were feeding a raw diet of some mints as well and mixing up a bit yep. of tuna. Nothing wrong with that either. But be aware that if we fed just tuna, it's not a complete yep. diet. So that's, yes, uh, yep. that's what we want to talk about. That We've got to make sure that they receive all the necessary vitamins and minerals um, uh, that they require for a good, healthy lifestyle. And that's one of the things that dry dog food has made easy for all of us because yep. it is promoted as a complete balanced diet, there's enough protein in it, there's enough fat, there's enough minerals and vitamins in it, and you yep. know, they can live a, 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 a certain lifestyle. Unfortunately, they, they add a lot of fillers like cereal products as well to, to, to beef it up and lower the cost down, and that's not great. For, for our dogs yeah. and our cats. But again, yep. I'm happy to give you a pack of the Summerford raw Natural if you like, so if we can take your phone number, I can, I can yep. do that, and you can try that food, and there is a formulation that's salmon, it's a complete diet. If he loves fish, he might like the salmon. I prefer salmon over tuna. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs>
1: Daniel, Yeah, no, I I'm, I'm, I'm
4: and yeah. I just noticed that he also, too, he really loves chicken soup. I'm making chicken soup. You know, I don't put no onion, nothing in it, but he loves the vegetables and the um, free-range chicken and everything in that. Yeah. But I've noticed that he's not a real big lover of the dry food. I'm about yeah. to just try a new dry food now. Yeah. Um, roughly, roughly how much, um, how many grams, roughly, of food should I be feeding? He's about 25 kilograms a day. Roughly how many grams of food would you say?
1: Um, okay. should I be thirty Every yes. brand of dry dog food will have in, uh, a list on the back in terms of how much you need to feed, and, and they 're all very yep. very different so you need to have a look at that. but I know with raw diets um, that are made yep. as a complete balanced diet, which have yep. as I said the offal component, the bone, the meat, and the plant matter for dogs. Um, yep. Generally, it's 200 grams per 10 kilos of body weight. So for your dog, you'd be like half a kilo of the raw diet per day and for them oh, to yes, maintain, yep. maintain that weight. yeah, yep. yep.
4: Okay, yeah, that sounds very good. Thank you very much. But also, too, he's about three-year-old. Um, is there still a lot of scope for actually training a dog at that age, is there, would you say? Or? Uh,
1: of course there is, yes, definitely. Yeah, yep. yeah. He's still, yeah, he's still relatively young, not that old, and definitely trainable. Yeah. Sounds good.
0: I've got a couple of questions in there, Peter. Please
1: stay with us because
0: uh, Peter will get some details and that uh, sample pack coming your way. I kind of wish I had a dog or a cat in my life now, <laughs> Daniel. You, you've got sample packs for everybody. We've got, <laughs> we got anybody in the building that's got a dog? They've got some free sample packs by the same time.
1: I'm in a very giving mood today, aren't I? Really? I haven't been giving away things for a while. <laughs> so, so today's the day. Exactly. Okay. I can probably see
0: people lining up at the door. I've got a dog. Can you get some stuff for me? (laughs) Four nine two We've probably got time for one, maybe two more calls coming in. We've got our pet of the week, which we'll get to in a few moments. Daniel, very exciting because uh, we're also looking to find a home for a very delightful little dog. You've got the pet of the week in front of you, haven't you? Oh, hang on. let That
1: works. There we go. I'm back on air. The pet of the week, the pet of the week's called Duke. Now, really, Mark, you said to me you wish you had a pet. Now, I reckon this one's for you, mate. Uh, look, he's a staffy, and staffies make great pets. I
0: do- I've done myself in, haven't I?
1: <laughs> that, that just happened. <laughs> St- staffies are the number one breed of dogs sold in Australia at the moment. Really? That's how popular they are. They make a great pet. They're very loyal to their families. They love being with the families. They're not overly big to look after, mm. and they are very playful and energetic in, in that regard.
0: H- how do they go with someone that's got a backyard <laughs> literally the size of this studio?
1: The good, th- the good <laughs> I'm thing not joking, is though. I also do love a laser round, too. So, but, but you do still need to give them a bit of a walk here and there. So okay. you will have to go outdoors. But... Duke is a one-year-old Staffy Cross who was saved from the pound. He's a really happy dog. He loves playing with his toys and he loves hanging out with his foster family and his foster brother. He's well-behaved. And what I like about this is they say that he's been, learnt, he's been trained. He's learned to sit and wait for his meals. He's also toilet trained and he will only bark to warn of intruders. Okay? Now, what's great about that is sitting down and all that, he, he already knows the chain of command, which is really important for dogs. They need to know their owner is the boss. And then, if you if you want some food, you have to sit and wait, and I'll tell you when to eat it. That's a great start. So uh, he is in need of a, of a new home. He would love to come and join a family. Um, the phone number for Barbara is zero four double two eight double two one six nine. You can also have a look at his profile on dogrescuenewcastle.com.au dot and um, yeah, and see if you might be interested in in rescuing Duke.
0: It sounds like a, a very, uh, very lovely little dog there. The yep. picture is really cute. So yep. good luck with that. We've got time for one more call. We're heading to uh, Y.E. Point. Rachel, you've got a question for Daniel on Patchout this afternoon.
3: Yeah, I've actually got two questions, if, that, if that's okay. You've we'll got about two it. minutes. Let's go. <laughs> um, I've got a little mini Foxy Cross Jack Russell Terrier, and she's only about one one year old. And it's like no matter what I feed her, she keeps getting this kind of pale pink rash on her paws and under her tail. hmm okay. And I, I took her to the vet and they said, they gave me Finergan to give to her because they said it might be allergies, but nothing has changed. hmm okay. Oh.
1: And how long has she had this for?
3: Um, she's actually had it on and off. It, it's worse sometimes than it is others.
1: Yes. Is it she's worse actually- in summer? Um, no, no, no. Okay. All right. So that's a little bit of a more difficult one. Does she, she gets that redness, but is it also, does she scratch it? Is it itchy? Yeah.
3: Like she actually bites underneath her tail to the point where the hair comes off.
1: And uh, in that area, especially you have checked for fleas and she does get medicated for fleas to keep fleas off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
3: Like she just, she's an inside dog. Um, See, with the, yeah.
1: with the pores, what can happen is is uh, forms of grass allergies can affect the pores, and there's the redness of the pores, and she licks those pores? Yeah, it licks them crazy. Yeah, okay. Now, when you said you've tried all different foods, there's, there's a method to actually trying foods, um, and it's about um, eliminating. So. What I recommend is once they go with a raw food that I can recommend or they go with a dry a grain free dry food, that's all you feed. Nothing else. No treats, no table scraps, no doggy treats, no none of the other types of treats because there might be cereal content in that. So all you allow to feed is that food only and you need to do it for a two week period to find out if it's working. In some cases you'll see it working within three days. But you do need to do it for a period of time did you do any of that kind of work or that kind of monitoring with the food
3: no like um they put me on this really expensive hypo allergy yep. food yeah but that didn't really do anything
1: yeah what i might do because we're running out of time is if you can hold on to the line i will, uh, i'd like to talk to you after on air and just go through some things and what we can do yeah yeah, would be awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so great advice there. What
0: an interesting pet chat we uh, found ourselves in the middle of today, Daniel. Lots of lots of great quick. info there.
1: Gone very quick. Lots of good info. I, I love talking about nutrition for our dogs and cats, making sure they live a long life. Talking about that, just come to my mind really quickly. Um, I, I recently saw a video, and it's an Australian farmer with an Australian dog, a Kelpie, uh, who has the oldest dog in the world. Uh, 30 years old No way 30 years old he, he, he got him as a pup when his son was born So 30 years old And the dog has been fed a raw diet all its life
0: I think that tells you all you need to know right there okay. Doesn't it
1: <laughs> <laughs> A great pet chat Of course back next weekend
0: uh, Next Wednesday I should say On 2NURFM Thanks for listening to this podcast From 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle